Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We're going to continue with the series we've been in. Uh, This is week nine, entitled Rediscover Jesus. And we're borrowing the idea for the series from Reality Church in Boston. This morning's message uh, is entitled Jesus the Liberator. Now, I don't know how much attention you pay to the worship service itself, um, the song selection, but uh, there's a theme this morning of freedom. And so we're going to talk about Christ the liberator today. Now, if you were to get a dictionary and you were to look up the word liberator, here's what you would find. A liberator is a person who liberates another person or a place from imprisonment or oppression. And so with that definition in mind, as we delve into Jesus the Liberator, I want to draw your attention to John chapter 8. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to get you out of here early this morning. Uh, I want you to be able to make up that hour of sleep you lost last night. Go home and have plenty of time uh, for a nap. It was brutal this morning at 9 o'clock, which was really 8 o'clock when I, when I was uh, uh, preaching. So I know I'm going to go home and take a nap. I hope you can too. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Many of us are familiar with that passage. That's that's a very famous uh, line from Jesus. They answered him, verse 33, We are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And then verse 36 So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. My first real job when I graduated college was in Stone Mountain, Pennsylvania. Um, I worked at a place called Abraxas, and my title was a treatment counselor. Abraxas was a place for troubled youth, for juvenile delinquents. It's just a nice way of saying it was juvie. Um, And so I worked there, and I remember my first week on the job, I was going to change the world. I was going to change it one juvenile delinquent at a time. Well, I found out very quickly, as many of you who've had careers in social work find out, that this was way easier said than done. That these kids that came to us, they were essentially in lockup. They were in jail. They were in juvie. Their freedom had been taken away from them, and it was my job to help facilitate uh, them back to freedom, back to being out in mainstream society. And so I was going to change the world. 
Well, about six months into that job, I began to almost want to pull my hair out. And I began to say to myself, Kevin, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your life doing this? That's exactly what I thought to myself. And here's why I thought that. Because kids would go through this program. It was a nine-month program. They would get out, and within weeks, they'd be locked up again. Some of them would be sent back to us. So the uh, recidivism rate was extremely high, as it can be with all types of criminal reform. And I remember talking to a young man who, who I had really grown close to, and I thought, this is going to be a kid that makes it. He's going to be a win. Uh, well, about three weeks later, he got locked up, and he was returned back to us. And I remember saying, man, what are you doing? You were locked up. You had, you had lost your freedom, and we worked so hard, and you were free, and now you're back here. I just want to shake you. What in the world are you doing? And I never forget, he said, Mr. Barton, life, my life at home is just as much a prison as it is here. He said, when I go home, I go back to a very dysfunctional family. When I go home, I go back to the streets and back to my old friends and old gang members. He said, to be honest with you, I feel like I have more freedom inside here than I do at home. And then I never forget, he said, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I always feel like a prisoner. I think he was describing exactly what many people are going through. Maybe what some of you are going through. You know, we live in a free country. You live in a free country, but yet you find yourselves oftentimes bound up, chained up, enslaved. Some people are enslaved to their jobs and their careers. Like they, it is not God, family, church, then job. It is my career, my job is first. And, and you're just a slave to your company or to your job. Some people find themselves trapped or enslaved in a loveless marriage. And you feel like, man, I am just bound up. I'm just trapped here. Many people are bound up and imprisoned by their addictions. Try as they may, they just can't overcome it. Those chains just keep wrapping them up over and over again. Many of you in here may be enslaved to debt. You live beyond your means. Charge it, baby. Charge it. Charge it. Charge it. And you're just in so much debt and you're so enslaved that, that it consumes. You can't sleep at night because of it. Or you might just be simply chained up by that sin. We all have that sin and it's different for everyone that you struggle with. Well, in the text itself, Jesus makes this very bold proclamation in verse 32. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, before we go any further, I want you to note the audience's response here. Okay, Jesus is talking to Jewish believers, people that are, are, are in the process of maybe converting to Jesus. And he says, hey, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want you to see their answer. It's a very human answer, verse 33. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, if you know Jewish history, you've got to scratch your head on that statement right there. And then they say, well, how is it that you say we can become free? 
Okay, so here's essentially what they're doing. They're bowing their chest out. They're kind of beating their breast a little bit saying, hey, I don't know if you've got the memo, Jesus, because you're Jewish too, but we're God's chosen people. We're offsprings of Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I don't know if they did the right foot, left foot, all that, all that stuff. But, you know, they're, they're saying we are God's chosen people, and, and, and we, don't, we don't bow down to anybody. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Well, you scratch your head because they have been enslaved over and over and over again. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. The nation had been enslaved several different times. So what are they meaning here when they say, we've never been enslaved to anyone? I think what they're saying is, those of us who are here listening to you right now, Jesus, uh, we all came to hear you speak. We're free. Yes, we're under Roman occupation, but they let us worship how we want to worship, when we want to worship, who we want to worship. We're free to worship the Lord. We're free to go to the temple. And right now, we're not enslaved to anyone. So... What are you going to liberate us from? Because to be liberated, you need to be captive, and we're not captive. And that's why they ask the question, how is it that you say you will become free? Because in their minds, they're free. Well, they do what they often do, what you and I often do. We totally miss what Jesus is, is talking about here. He's talking about freedom of the soul. He's also making the point that freedom can be an illusion. That freedom, apart from truth and without virtue, is actually a trap that enslaves us. It's the same trap that we all fall into, right? We proclaim that we're free, but we're still stuck in the bondage of our sins. There was a very popular movie that came out, and if you've had daughters in the last 20 years, you know the movie well. It's a movie called Frozen. And in the movie Frozen, they didn't speak to each other a lot. They, they sang to each other all the time. Um, Elsa, of course, is this huge character in the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, get out of the rock you're living under and, and go see it. Um, but, but, you know, Elsa sang. And so I, I want to relay some of her words to you uh, that she sang. Now, I'm not going to sing them. Because uh, I'm trying to grow a church, not kill a church here. Um, but it's a very popular song. The name of the song is Let It Go. All right, and here's a couple lines from it. I want you to pay attention to what she's singing. She says, quote, It's time to see what I can do, to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Now, that's crazy because she sings those words, but she's not free. She's living alone in a tower of ice, trapped there by her own circumstances. Is that not us at times? We're mired in our sin, and, and we want to wave the banner that we've got freedom in Christ. I'm free. I'm going to go back to the same sin, the same lifestyle over and over again, but I'm going to wave that banner that I'm free. This is what Jesus is telling us, that sin leads to soul slavery. It imprisons our very souls. He says as much in verse 34 of, of John chapter 8. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. There are certain parts of the world uh, where they hunt monkeys. Now, I'm a hunter. We don't have monkeys here in America. I'd probably hunt them if I could, uh, but we, we don't have them, so I just have to hunt deer and coyote and turkey and rabbit and squirrel and grouse and pheasant, anything else I can hunt. But there's no monkeys here. But in a lot of parts of the world, they, they hunt monkeys, and they don't use bow and arrows. They don't use spears. They don't use guns. It's a very primitive way of, of hunting them. They take a coconut, and they chop the top of the coconut off. And they bore a hole down into that coconut. And they place an orange. Most people think monkeys really like bananas. They do, but they love oranges. And they stick an orange down on that coconut. The monkey comes. He can get his hand in the hole. But when he grabs the orange, he can't pull his hand out. Now the monkey will not let go of the orange. And so all they have to do is walk up, throw a net on the monkey, or club the monkey in the head. And then tonight, there's monkey stew. Now, I know, oh, poor monkey. Um, it, it's, it's too bad because this poor monkey could save its life if it would only let go of the orange. So maybe Elsa was right in, to, in some extent. We do need to let it go. I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Here's what the sad part is. The monkey never realizes that it cannot have both the orange and its freedom. And I think sometimes we realize we cannot both have our sin and freedom. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. This sin that leads to soul slavery. This mantra of, hey, it's my life. I will do what I want. This is my money. I will spend it how I want. This is my sexuality. I'll express it any way I want with whomever I want. This is my addiction. I'll put into my body what I want. And all of this leads to the same place. Bondage. We become slaves to our own desires and our own sins. And so this leads us to ask this very, very important question. And the question is this, what is the key then to living in, the, in freedom? In other words, if Christ came to set us free, how do we live in that freedom? How do we walk in that freedom? How do we exercise that freedom? Well, the answer is very, very elementary. You don't have to be a scholar to understand it. It's found in verse 31, the way the text opens up. So Jesus gives the answer before he even gives the problem. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. The money phrase here is, if you abide in my word. Okay, now... I know you guys, when you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get to church to hear the original Greek language and do, and do Greek word studies. I know you're excited about that. But I want to I point something out to you. That, that Greek word there for abide, it's a word that John uses like 16 times. Um, he uses it more than any other writer in the New Testament. That, the word for abide there is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. Do you know what that word means? It's a fascinating word. It means to make your home there. 
to live there, to reside there, to remain there. And so Jesus is essentially saying, hey, do you want true freedom? Do you want lasting freedom? Then make your home in who I am. Make your home in Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, live in my words. Follow my commands. Obey my precepts. Submit your life to me. Live in these words and you'll have freedom. He's essentially saying this. Hey, come live in my house. Hey, come let me be your shelter. Menno, abide in me. Now, some of this we miss. It goes right over our heads for, for two reasons. One, we're not Jewish. And secondly, we don't know what's going on when Jesus is having this conversation. All right, what's going on? We find out earlier in the text. I'm supposed to stay at the pulpit because of the camera. I'm sorry, those of you online. The, those who are there, the Jewish people, are in the middle of this huge festival. It's called the, the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. You may remember it last year when we did the Beauty and the Feast series. Hey, let me tell you what the, about the Feast of the Tabernacles. The Feast of the Tabernacles to them is what 4th of July is to us. All right, I love 4th of July. It's become one of my favorite days. Um, I like potato salad and baked beans and hot dogs and fireworks, God, gun, country, and boom, boom, and, and watching my kids' faces. I, I absolutely love the 4th of July. Now, why do we celebrate July 4th? Independence. Freedom. We're no under, uh, we're no under, no longer under tyrannical rule of, of an English king. We have our own freedom. Okay, so think about that for a minute. This is exactly what the Feast of Tabernacles was for them. It was a feast to commemorate their independence, to commemorate their freedom. If you remember in the Old Testament, uh, the, the Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians. After 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally relented and let his people go. And, and they were free, but they grumbled and complained. So they were destined to wander in the desert for 40 years. And during that 40-year span, they lived in tents or tabernacles. That was their home. Now, I can camp out for about a night and a half, and then I'm done. I can't imagine 40 years of this. And so during this festival, that's what they're celebrating, their independence, their freedom. And God says, during this seven-day festival, eat and drink and be merry and, 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 and be festive and celebrate but don't live in your house. For seven days, I want you to make a makeshift tent. And that's where I want you to reside. Because I want you to remember that your freedom came at a price. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you want true freedom? You don't have to live in these makeshift homes. Live in my will. I'll lead you to freedom. Stop living in these makeshift shift shelters of sin and reside in me. Jesus, I believe, is telling them the same thing that he's telling us. Stop living in homes that are not made to shelter your heart. That's a very important concept. There's, there's only certain areas, there's only certain places that you can let your heart live in that are safe. There's really only one, to be honest with you, and that's Jesus. 
says, stop living in those because only Jesus can truly shelter our hearts. It's only through Jesus, the great liberator, that we can experience true freedom. So go back to juvie for a second. You know, I get out of college and I'm working and with these kids and, uh, you know, I already told you about the recidivism rate. They just keep returning and returning and returning. Here's what I found to be true because I left there and I came to Warm Spring, Georgia and, and did the same thing uh, at another juvie. Uh, all of these young men that came back over and over and over again, they all, every last one of them had one thing in common. You know what that was? None of them, not one of them, grew up in a home with a father that loved them. Most of them grew up in homes where their father wasn't there. And the, and the ones that had fathers, they were terrible, terrible fathers. They didn't grow up in a home with a father that loves them. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, minnow in me, stay in me, live in me, live in my words. Stay in my house because in my house there's a father, my heavenly father, that loves you very much. And that's why he goes on to verse 35 and he says this. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Essentially, he's saying, listen, servants come and go. They don't have the same rights as the father's children. They do a job and then they move on or they're sold to another person back into slavery. But the, but the children, the son, the daughter, they remain part of that household forever. And so it begs us to ask this probing question of ourselves for you to look in the mirror and ask this question of yourself. Are you a slave to your sin or are you a son or a daughter of the one true king? Right? Because we camp out in some weird places. Sometimes I feel like I live on the corner of fear and anxiety all the time. Maybe that's where, that, maybe that's where your heart resides. Fearful, anxious. Or maybe it's in the house of failure or shame or addiction or depression or despair or self-loathing or sin. And Jesus says, you can't shelter there. Abide in me, meno in Christ. When I was 12 years old, I lived in my mom's house. At this point, my mom was a single mom. Uh, and she was busy. Uh, she was trying to work to support me uh, and herself, but she also had some really bad habits. She liked to party and she liked to date. And, and so the net result of that is I had, so, I had more freedom than I think any 12-year-old ever had. I mean, I basically did what I wanted, when I wanted, with who I wanted. There was absolutely little to no supervision. Well, that sounds really, really cool when you're 12 years old. But man, it got me into so much trouble. I remember getting picked up three times in one week by the police. Once for vandalism, once for running away, and then once for skipping school. And it, it was a very pivotal moment for me because defects got involved and the police got involved. And it was there my mom made this decision, hey, I cannot handle you anymore. I cannot take care of you anymore. I can't do this anymore. You're going to live with your father. And so I moved 
from inner city, Washington, D.C., to Nowheresville, Virginia. The town my dad lived in had a post office and a church. That was it. They were both closed on Sundays. Because it was a dead church. Didn't, All right, sorry. I, I, oh, I digress. But I remember my mom just saying, hey, you can't, I, I can't handle you anymore. So I moved in with my dad. And on the surface, man, it was way different. Because there were rules and there were expectations and I felt like, man, my freedom has been taken away. But over time, that it wasn't. I had more freedom because not only were there rules and expectations, there was love, there was safety, there was security. It was in my father's house I found the greatest freedom I'd ever known. I found Jesus. I found the truth. And the truth set me free. And he set me free because he's the great liberator. And I hope that you've experienced the freedom in Christ that I have today. If not, I hope that you would submit. You can't have freedom until you first admit you're a slave. You can't have freedom until you first admit, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm bound up in this sin. I need Jesus, the great liberator. And so what I'd like for you to do this week, there's two questions, man, that I hope just are rattling around in your head. I hope you, you dream about it at night. I hope the Holy Spirit just keeps whispering these two questions into your ear all week long. Question number one is this. What areas of your life have been liberated by Jesus? See, we could have a testimony time right now, and I could hand the mic over, and people could get up and testify, right? I was bound up by alcoholism, and I'm liberated. Or I was bound up by pornography, and I was liberated. I was bound up in a loveless marriage and an abusive marriage, and he was cheating and stealing, and I'm liberated. We, we could have that, that, that conversation, and we could celebrate those wins. What areas of your life have been liberated by Jesus? That's question number one. But question number two, I think, is the most important question to ask of ourselves. And this is a hard question to ask, to look in the mirror and ask yourself. It's simply this. What areas of your life still need to be liberated by Jesus? Listen, you have not gone too far. You have not done too much. You have not done too much evil for God to pronounce you clean through the blood of Jesus Christ and liberate your soul. You've not gone too far. What happens is, though, we know we have this area and we just refuse to acknowledge it. We just hide it and we, and we, and we, we refuse to ever deal with it. And we walk around with this illusion that we're free, but we're not. We're like a monkey dragging a coconut along, but that coconut is our sin. If we would take some advice from Elsa and just let it go, we would be free. And so this is a banner for you to let it go, to, to, to release that addiction, to release that sin, to, to release that anxiety into the arms of Jesus because he is the great liberator. And he will liberate us from our sins. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free.
We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.